Welcome to Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, and we are super excited for today's guest. This is actually, I haven't even told the guest this. This is going to be a surprise to her in a second. This is my 75th episode of uh, Beyond Podcast. So I always find like the 25, the 50, the 75, and the 100 as big numbers. So you are like, you are three quarters away to 100 for us. So we really appreciate you coming on. Um, and she's the head volleyball coach at Wilmington High School, um, you know, taking over program really building it up um it has a lot of youth uh that's involved in the program really kind of gets out there and you know the numbers have doubled in size you know since she's been there so without further ado ladies and gentlemen from wilmington high school lauren donahue hi thank you for having me anthony i'm excited to be the 75th uh coach that you're interviewing and i'm happy to talk a little bit about um Wilmington High Volleyball tonight. So thank you yeah. for inviting me. Yeah, I think it's cool. You know, 75 is a big number. And I was kind of doing the math the other day, just like counting them all out on my YouTube channel, which took a while. Um, and yeah, I was like, wow, this is the 75th. This will be really cool. And we know each other on a personal level. So it's nice to have somebody on here who I know uh, that I can share this episode with. So it'll be really fun and we'll, we'll have a good time. Absolutely. So as, as you know, a lot of people out there don't know, and those that know you obviously do know, um, last season or in the middle of last season, you really became, you became a mom. Um, and you know, which is congratulations. Being a mom is the coolest job in the world. And, you know, me being a dad, I love it and it's fun. And, uh, but I also know being a coach, being a dad and having a family at home, especially little ones, like I'm very lucky to have my wife to rely on, as I'm sure you're very lucky to have your husband, Bobby, to rely on. Uh, but talk about balancing that because it's, it's not easy. Like for people out there, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was balancing twins at home with, you know, with coaching, with work, with life. And uh, it can be a struggle. So I'm just curious from your end, being a mom, like I said, congrats, but maybe talk about balancing that life a little bit. Yeah, so I think, um, as you said, I, I did, um, I became a mom October 1st of last year. So I had the opportunity to be part of selecting the team last year and uh, being part of tryouts last season as well. So I, you know, stayed as involved as possible until up until the birth of uh, my son, Sean. And with that being said, I had someone step in and coach who did a great job, um, who also has experienced coaching high school volleyball. So that helped um, tremendously. And I was excited to get back into it in August uh, with tryouts this past summer. Um, I did have the opportunity to be part of selecting the captains for this season as well. So I, while I did become a mom, I was um, pretty immersed in everything that was happening for the most part. Uh, so come August, we had tryouts. We had a huge over 50. Um, as you said, I've been part of doubling the program in size, which I do think is a great, um, it, it was a focus of mine to get more people in, interested in playing the sport. Um, but also getting the middle school level aware of even, you know, that volleyball is a sport that you can try out for in the fall. Uh, so having over 50 athletes try out was great. We made cuts, which 
you know, isn't always the best. It's not the easiest thing when you're coaching and no. you know, kids are willing to put in that effort or put in that effort in the off season. It is not easy to narrow a team down. So I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think seeing that and realizing, you know, the commitment that people were making made the, the juggle of being a mom a little bit more impactful in terms of realizing, you know, I do have a, a group that's super committed to this sport. They want to grow the program as do I. Um, but that does come back to, you know, being a mom is my number one priority. Um, so I do, it's amazing to have a husband who, who gets it. Um, as you know, he coached up until this season and we sort of said to each other with him becoming an assistant principal, you know, something had to give, but, um, we both love coaching and it's great that he understands that and understands the fact that, you know, I love being a mom utmost, that is my utmost priority, but it's, it is a very, very hard juggle. Um, it's also your third job. I mean, let's be honest too, like mom's one, right. But then work is two. And then coaching is, you know, if the hours work and you're able to fit it into your schedule and do it and be committed, you can do it, but it's not, it's not an easy juggle. So you have, I mean, you haven't even talked about work and balancing that. And, you know, you guys moved houses like right before you even had the baby while you both were coaching. So you guys are used to, I think, juggling a lot. We are. are. Yeah, we are. And and it does help that we have super supportive families, but at the same time, their family, they're not, you know, you want to have a balance of like not relying on people too much. Um, and, and frankly, I want to be, you know, there for my son. Like I want to see the things that are happening. Um, which I have to say, I, I have had the opportunity to see everything that, you know, he's walking now, which is so fun. And, um, but it does help that I live right next to the high school. So that has made allowed things to work um, in terms of convenience. But I also will say the fact that I, my full-time job is hybrid. So if I had to be in an office five days a week, this would never work. Um, It just, so that's what allowed me to start coaching initially because it was something I had always loved doing, but I coached club. And once the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity to actually be able to do something else that I love and and coach high school volleyball. So coming full circle, it's it's definitely a huge adjustment. It is nonstop seven days a week. I mean, we right now we don't um, we're not practicing on the weekends. Uh, We do have one upcoming Saturday game, but for the most part. I stick to like a five day a week schedule volleyball wise. Um, and that has allowed me to kind of regroup on the weekends, both mentally and, you know, with my husband, with my son and, and in terms of my full-time job too. So I think for me, that was a big thing going into this. Like I want to be able to be as committed as possible and as focused as possible. And as you know, it takes time preparing for practices, preparing for the competition. And 
there aren't enough hours in the day. No, it's just like, I mean, I'm listening to you and I'm just like laughing to myself because <laughs> I think of like nights that I got home from football and was, you know, just getting home in time for bedtime to be like, yes, like I didn't get the miss. I'm here for bedtime at least. And then like balancing time with your wife and then you're setting your alarm at like one 30 in the morning to go downstairs and watch film or prepare. Don't thing. Do that. Like, got- yeah. So it's, <laughs> I, I listen to you, but as I mean, you're the mom, you're the king of the house, no matter what. So, I mean, I know my place here, so, yeah. you know, I, but to me, I think it was just important to talk about that because I understand balancing that and it is not easy. It is, it is, it can be a difficult process. And yeah. like you said, you're, you're mentioning all these different things and so on, but with that all being said, and I totally agree with you, you look at your non-league schedule for this year, or just your schedule for this year in volleyball and talk about like not, I mean, Middlesex is the Middlesex. You're always going to have tough competitive teams that are going to play well. And a 500 team in your league is a, is another team in another league, maybe winning it or coming in second place or being that consistent up there. So that's how talented and strong the, you know, Middlesex league is, but talking here this year's schedule, you're, you're playing 15 different teams. You, all the teams made the state tournament, but one, that was Watertown. Ipswich, one of your non-league opponents, won the D4 state championship. And in D4, you play Allentown Catholic, who I know is very loaded, as you do, and and Stoneham. And I don't know a lot about them, but clearly they made the playoffs, so they're not bad. Uh, Melrose went on to the Final Four in Division Two, and other Division Two foes, Woburn, Burlington, Wakefield, Reading, all made the playoffs. Division One: Winchester, Arlington, Belmont, Lexington, and even your other two non-league opponents, Link Classical and Mefford, also did. So making a rock star. I mean, I, BC, I had uh, Jonathan Brillo on here of BC high and I thought his football schedule was the hardest thing I've ever heard. Probably till this moment when I did my homework on you guys and your <laughs> league and non-league schedule is insane. I mean, Talk about that mindset for your program because we we mentioned the things about your program. You've built it up. You've doubled the numbers there. I know this year you have a large youth movement of a lot of sophomores that are in your program. It's the first time you've ever had a JV team um, consistently. I guess you could say like a real JV team as opposed yeah, to just real. putting your players together, right? Um, so that shows a lot of growth and that we're going to talk about some of the things that you do to grow this program. But for you, I mean, talk about your non-league schedule coming off a year of just having a baby. Obviously, we talked about just balancing that and now you throw in some you know titans on your non-league schedule to, to play so what's the mindset of growing your program and maybe taking it to that next level yeah so we we also lost nine seniors uh from okay. last year so yeah. there's so there's that too but I learned quickly in as you said the middle sex league I knew you know hearing from people in Wilmington from even the girls Um, one thing I said, my first year coaching to the team, I said, I asked them right before our first match against Burlington high, who's another one that always, you know, super competitive, great athletes. Um, I, I asked them to raise their hand and I said, how many of you think we're going to win tomorrow? And not a single girl raised her hand. And I said, okay, let me ask it another way how many of you think we're going to take a set tomorrow and one player raised your hand. And I kind of thought to for a second, okay, so there is like the competitive mindset is not there. The defeat feeling is clearly there. Um, and that sense of 
you know, just kind of going through the motions was kind of how, how it felt. Um, It was almost like a club team type hangout more than it was a competitive, let's try to win a league or a state championship. And like, especially going into games against Winchester, Melrose, certainly, um, they, it just is already, you know, they're walking into it like, oh, well, it's going to be a quick, you know, oh, and three loss. Um, so that's been a focus, but I do have to say the non-league piece is both now because of the way that the tournament works based on, you know, your, your ranking, um, and, and how, so right now we're, we're one in 12, um, and we're ranked 37th out of, I believe, 55 teams in our division, but because of the teams, the non-league teams we play, that allows us to move up higher in a ranking, even if we have that many losses. Um, so I do think it's a good way for the, you know, for the players to obviously see competition outside the Middlesex League. You know, a lot of coaches might say, oh, now, why don't you play teams that are just like an easy win? A cupcake, yeah. Yeah, and I, I do, I see that, that side of it, I do. But at the same time, I also know from even being a player that you're not really gaining much from that. Um, But at this point in the season, looking at the team that I have right now, they could use a a few wins to get that that confidence and that like mentality of we, you know, we have the ability to win because I do think that the teams that we've played, I mean, Ipswich, as you said, they – they're probably one of the best teams we've I've seen since coaching in Wilmington where they just were, their mechanics were there. They, they seemed like even, you know, a a potentially like collegiate level team, the way that they operated together. And we took a set from them. Then, you know, this team that this year, then I look at a team like Wakefield and we are pretty evenly matched with them. And we lost three sets right off the bat. Um, so is volleyball one of those games? And, I, and I'm thinking of it from like a backyard barbecue version. Yeah, of it, yeah. But I've seen this happen. Is like when you start making a few mistakes, do you feel like your team then immediately like they'll serve it and no one goes for it. It hits the ground or like they don't communicate it and someone bops it, you know, 10, 20 feet out of bounds. Like, is that like the mental aspect of the game a little bit? Does your oh, team, as soon as that happens, struggle? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. It okay. takes, it takes, we could be up by five and the second the other team starts going on a serving run of three or four points. I, I say it almost every match and I'm like, okay, the wheels have fallen off. Like it's just the regrouping and what I remember from playing and what I really tried to focus on with this group in particular this year, but even in the last few years that I've coached here in Wilmington, the struggle that I find is the mental toughness piece and someone with that athletic mentality of like, let's just go, let's, let's win, like whatever it takes right now, all of it. And I have had one or two players here or there, but it's not enough. And, and, you know, as you know, on a larger scale, like there's only so much you can do sometimes. And it is, it's challenging, especially where, you know, selfishly where I am juggling things at a 
from a personal level and wanting to give this team and this program everything I can. I, I keep saying there's only so many tools in the toolbox that I can kind of give you to, to take it from here. But I do, you know, to, to go back to the point of the non-league games, I do think it's beneficial to play teams that are strong and that push you out of your comfort zone. I also think for the reason that I mentioned about Burlington, that, you know, of bringing that up with the, with the team, um, my first year coaching, I think it's a good thing when they don't know much about the team that they're about to play. Yeah. It can be beneficial. And I think it's great, you know, because from a mathematical standpoint alone, like you guys made the playoffs last year and I think you only had like four or five wins. Right. Yes. Yeah. So from a mathematical, it, mathematically, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, I think what's tough about playing in a tough league is like, how are you ever going to learn to play tough? unless you play tough outside of that, like those girls assuming going into a Middlesex game, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're going to lose. Like not like, you know, this team's tough, but we're going to battle. It's like, we're going to lose. And that can be tough. So the only way you do build that up, it's, you know, I've heard so many coaches come on here and we talk about non-league schedules and how they go about balancing it. But I think now you're seeing it come to fruition. And I can speak from the football world that, your mathematical equation makes sense because I've seen teams last year that were six and two or five and two that didn't make the playoffs because yeah. they had a, a weaker non-league opponent or a weaker league opponents. I mean, you're seeing some teams like Everett kind of, you know, face that, that they play in the GBL to no fault of theirs. That's the league they play in, but they're not getting the one seed or the two seed or getting the home game. And last year they lost to Methuen because they probably, because they had to play at Methuen. I think if they played yeah. it, the game probably would have been different. So you have to look at it from that standpoint, because mathematically you can't get away with playing cupcakes anymore. Um, no, no. And, and I think and if I you're think lacking it, it helped, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Where it helped us last year was playing Tewksbury twice. They, um, I mean, they, I think they lost one, one match last year and, um, but they, you know, they play like, Bill Ricca, who has a strong program, they um, play other strong schools that they, you know, they're a tough team. And right now they're in our division and I think they're ranked number two. Um, but it was, a, that was a great way for my team last year to see competition outside the Middlesex League that they, I think we lost by two maybe the most for both times we played them. Um, but it just, yeah, it just goes to show you that how different some of these league and non-league, how, you know, the dynamics of some of these teams too. I mean, playing Medford High in years past, I would have thought like, oh, this is going to be, a, you know, this should be a win for us. And they were a good team. I mean, we went to four sets with them we were pretty evenly matched, I would say, but they, they've had a pretty good season. And again, like you said, the GBL, but it, it is, it's it, every, every match has been so different for us. I mean, yeah. we played Woburn high the other night and we went from the first set was like 25, 11. The second set was like 25, 18. And the third set was like 25, eight. And yeah. I, nothing it's just it's a crazy volleyball is a wild mental game oh and i'm sure there's such analytics to it too like i look at that being like man what the hell happened between the second game and the third game right so like 
Yeah, that I'm sure as a coach, that would drive me nuts looking at it from such like a mental standpoint of that. Or even position-wise, because I mean, that's a whole separate topic. But when you, you mentioned the, you know, a number of younger players, even this year, I only have four seniors. Um, but in terms of kind of the positions in the game, there's only, you know, certain players that you can make a hitter or certain players that want, you know, have the potential to be a setter. So to run an effective offense, I need more than just one reliable hitter. Yeah. It sounds like your offensive line, like your husband, that's what he coached, right? Like you lose one kid. It's like, Oh, okay. I got this other kid who could jump in and play. You lose a second kid. It's like, I'm, I'm not sure who the next person is. And that's not, and that's not insulting to anybody, but that's like coaching sports. Like, that's what people don't realize about coaches that you only have certain depth in some positions and some programs are more fortunate than others, that their numbers might be a lot larger and that, you know, they get an injury or two, or they have the ability to be flexible and play people at certain positions and have, you know, a lot of depth to do that when you don't, not having that or only having one or two kids that could do it. And they'd be like, you can't train anybody else to do that. It's like, no, I can't. Like, it's not no. as easy as you would think it is. And if it was, it's why I would only have more than one or two people, you know? Yeah, so right. um, I totally get that aspect of it as well. But, you know, we'll we'll jump into the second half of it and talk about it because, you know, obviously where I want to talk a little bit about the youth that you have, you know, building there. And obviously we mentioned a lot of sophomores, but also how you work with the youth programs and are able to get, you know, the numbers to grow. Because that's impressive. I think any coach comes in their first couple of years. It's really about growing the program from an aspect of getting more kids to try out, to getting kids to take it more seriously. And then from there you have, you know, summers that you do stuff, I'm sure. And you have social media and all that stuff. Right. So that's how you kind of continue the game as the game's not being played, but we're going to jump into what's called our Cheney's two minute drill. Uh, have you ever been the Cheney's down uh, by the Boston garden? Joe's one of our biggest sponsors and, and fans of this show. Uh, you can get iron Cheney's pizza, calzones, the whole nine yards um, right around the corner from the Boston garden, right on friendship street um so it's perfect location perfect spot so you know we appreciate the love we got from those guys so thank you joe and thank you Cheenies. um lauren so what we're going to do here is i'm going to do rapid fire questions you know two minutes answer as much as you can if you got to explain something a little bit more go ahead we're totally lenient uh but this would be a good way to kind of ask you some more fun questions about the world of coaching and how your mindset is um so let me set the timer and here we go what is the most important position in volleyball, in your opinion? The setter. I'm going to throw a flag. I also get to throw a flag once. I'm just curious because I don't know. I, 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 yeah, that's That funny. doesn't mean it to be. So I'm just very curious. I can like, make an analogy for football. Yes. For this one. Okay. Okay. It's your, it's your quarterback. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Are you wanna, I don't even have to say anything else. You just have to say that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I got it. They literally so, run, run the offense. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, song that gets you still pumped up or like juiced up a little bit. If you heard it before a game, you might be moving the shoulders, bopping the head a little bit. Oh God. I've heard a lot of different answers for this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Can we come back to that? We can come back to it. I'll, I'll throw it at you at the end. All right, um, who's a better coach in the better coach in the family? You or Bobby? Oh, I, I, oh God. Uh, (laughs) I think I am, I think I am better in different, 
better at different things. He is a smarter coach than I am. Okay. Very well put. Very well put. I was trying to make you laugh, not get you nervous. Here. <laughs> no, Sorry. You did, you did. <laughs> He will, he will say when it comes to this is something he never had to deal with in terms of parents. Yeah. He will, he will credit the fact that I, I'm not easily rattled by. Hey, that's, that's arguably one of the most important part of the job, truthfully. Um, one word that would describe your coaching style on the sideline. Direct. Okay. I like that. Very well said. Um, So bigger non-league opponent, because I know you, you have love for both these places, but bigger non-league opponent that you would want to beat more Medford or AC. AC. Okay. Um, What would you say is the biggest part of the high school volleyball game that has changed maybe since you played? The level of commitment outside the season. So I, I played club my junior year on, but it's something now that players start in middle school. Very good. Very good. And I'm coming back to that last question song that still gets you a little pumped up or juiced up before you hear it. I honestly, I'm so bad. You'd think I would be better at this. considering. I clearly don't make the playlists. That's for, okay. Um, Listen, I mean, you, you would think I I should because I used to teach spin, but <laughs> I like I don't. Um, I would say something like anything. We'll just say like we'll just Nelly. say anything. Nelly, Nelly there we go. Yeah. Nelly, perfect. Nelly, any album? Let's yeah. Perfect. Well, you survived the two minute drill. So I'm glad I gave you five panic attacks here. Sorry about that. So I wanted to give you an opportunity because obviously we're talking about, and you mentioned in the two minute drill, the level of commitment that these girls are giving at a much younger age. And obviously you growing the numbers here uh, in this program, and you've done a great job in doing that. Just give you a chance to talk about this year's squad a little bit. You obviously mentioned you have a few seniors, you know, but a lot of the youth movement that's probably, you know, getting reps or, or getting some playing time as well. So I wanted to give you a chance to shout out this year's squad a little bit. Yeah. So I, I would say, in terms of the the level of commitment outside of the season. And this is definitely something that in teams that we play throughout the Middlesex league, one of the reasons why they are as strong as they are is because I would say almost all of them have middle school programs, which is something that uh, doesn't even really exist here in Wilmington. It's been a goal of mine. I did, uh, I have worked with the rec department to get middle school things moving. And I, I did do that last spring, um, which we had an amazing turnout, but it is something that, I mean, the high school season is just way too short to get into, you know, teaching kids how to play. And by the time we get, you know, to the second month of the season, there's in, it just, it's not enough time to go through logistically. Whereas when I was playing or even a few years ago here in Wilmington, we still have freshmen that walk in that have never touched a volleyball before. And that's not really the norm anywhere else. Certainly not in the middle sex league, but I'm trying to kind of make it not the norm here either. Um, And I do think that 
you know, there's so many more clubs in the New England region. And one of our best players currently, uh, senior Maddie McCarron, she uh, is going on to play in college uh, at Union next year. Um, she started playing club before she got before she was a freshman at Wilmington High, stepped on the court. I mean, it does help that she's uh, nearly six feet. So she did make varsity as a freshman, but she's really hardworking throughout the whole season and, um, you know, plays at a national level in club. Um, one of our other senior captains, uh, Mia Vestal, same thing. She's played club for uh, since, you know, pre-high school. But that is one of the biggest reasons and every at the end of every season that I have coached, my biggest advice and number one, uh, somewhat of a demand is to do something outside the season. Like you will not step back on the court in August and make varsity if you haven't touched a ball since the prior season. And yeah. I don't mean just like in your backyard or at a barbecue, the yeah. actual instruction of playing the sport from, you know, getting feedback. Um, it's so important. And it is such a mental game that the more touches you get on the ball, the better you're going to be. Um, but that is something that is why our JV, one of our JV teams, we don't have a technical freshman team. I have JVA and JVB. Yeah. So they're kind of a mixed blend, but there are a couple of freshmen that are on the JVA team and that's because they played club before they even came into high school. So that's the biggest takeaway is, um, you know, we have a, both JV teams have 15 kids on them. That's big. That's and, big. That's huge. Yeah. And the most of the JVA team played club in the off season. So um, it, it's great that there's more involvement in it. And I just, you know, I hope that we can kind of build that middle school piece more um, to encourage it before they get into freshman year. Now, this is a serious question. I'm not, I'm not joking around yeah. when I ask this. Do you, do you ever communicate with like the girls uh, basketball coach? Like if they had a couple six foot girls that weren't playing, like, is that something, I mean, you obviously grew the numbers and you did that a lot through club and, you know, we'll talk about social media in a minute. And I'm sure you, a lot of that helped too, but are you ever able to just recruit like in your years there, get an athlete who's not playing volleyball, who's a pretty good athlete that could come on and play or ever talk to the hoops coach before? I'm just curious. Cause I know for football, I'm always like, this kid plays this, but he doesn't, he doesn't play anything in the fall. It's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to talk to him in the weight room, you know? So. <laughs> no, I um, probably should. I will say though, that a lot of times that, so one of my ju two junior, no, yeah. Two juniors that I have um, are both basketball players and both of them, I ended up getting as freshmen during the COVID season. That was their freshman year. And I was fortunate enough to, I think they just, you know, were interested in trying an, an additional sport um, because we played volleyball in the spring that year. So they went right off, off of basketball season into volleyball. But I haven't, I mean, I'm friendly with a lot of the coaches, but I don't, um, I do think the numbers in Wilmington high are not huge. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think kids are necessarily like intimidated by trying out, um, for volleyball. I do think that they kind of are for the most part, you know, we do get the athletes that are here that 
or yeah, in you school. get what you get. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure it's even hard for those club teams because as you know, you get what you get. Right. But as a club coach, that's coaching at like a Catholic school or private school. It's like, Oh, your program isn't that good at home. Well, you know what, if you come here, this is what we got yeah. and this is who we compete. So sometimes you automatically lose kids to that because, you know, the other part of it is, is that some parents are able to pay maybe what the tuition is, or you have the money to be able to send their kids to that next, you know, thing where they could be at home and get equally better, you know? So yeah, it's hard I to be in find that positions. with the middle school that I, the middle school program I did. And I asked, we had a lot of sixth and seventh graders in the spring when I did it. And we had a few eighth graders. And I, I said the first night, I'm like, oh, where are you headed, headed next year? All Wilmington High. And each one was going somewhere different. Yeah. There was only one Wilmington, one player going to Wilmington High. So it definitely yeah. is, um, you know, it's it's a struggle. But I do think I've tried to kind of build it through social media and other ways that um, I know the Wilmington Athletics has talked a lot about kind of going into the middle school earlier on, like before the kids, you know, approach the time when they might be thinking about where they're headed yeah. um, for high school to get the word out about, you know, even just put a face to a sport. It's um, smart. It's smart. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing it like in football programs, the coach that I had on last week, Zach Batello, he, he coaches a Whitman Hanson, but Whitman and Hanson are two different towns. So when the, when the pop one programs play each other, the football team makes a big deal for that one day, like they're split to their town and uh-huh. like, it's a big fun thing, but they bring all the youths, all the young kids that come to the games, they have the night here or night there. So yeah. I totally agree that you guys are on board with that and doing that because you're right. Yeah. I've even thought of doing like little sister, you know, programs with the middle schoolers too, that we do it within the volleyball program now where like varsity players will take someone from the lower level um, and like kind of mentor, but also like do things with them and um, you know, all fun stuff. But I think it's a nice way for the middle school to kind of know this is where I might might be headed and this is what it looks like. And these are the kids that are playing in the pro. I, it just, it's another opportunity to make, to make somebody excited about going somewhere. Yeah. And I, and I think it's great because again, like that is the reality of the situation that you face. Like you face losing kids at a young age or the, the older yeah. sibling might've went to the school. So it's like a shoe in that the young stud athlete's going to go there too. And you, you lose it right away as town. So, you know, you mentioned social media and I know when you first got the job at Wilmington, you and I had like a conversation just talking about being a head coach. And the one thing I said to you was like, get on your social media right away. Like even if season one, like whatever, like every workout, yeah. every cool thing, every accolade, like put it out there because it does like, what you kind of were just talking about, like for people to go on there and see, Oh, wow. that they do some cool stuff there. Oh, wow. Like a young kid being like, Oh, I'm interested in this. Or, Oh, like this kid went to play here. or This girl's going to play here, you know, in the right. fall, like it can really make a few kids that are on the fence or a few family on the fences being able to want to stay in town and commit because social media, there's a lot of stuff that's put out there. So I know that you do a great job with that. I see you on there a lot, but just talk a little bit about the Wilmington volleyball page, what you have on Instagram or even Twitter. I'm not sure about Twitter, but I definitely see you on Instagram all the time. Yeah. I try to kind of mimic things in both places. Um, I do, you know, it helps that I have my background is in communication. So that I do, 
understand the importance of it, but I, I think it was super helpful hearing, you know, you say that, especially because I don't, I don't know nearly as much about kids in like middle school or high school of what, what they pay attention to and how many are on. And I mean, I feel like we grew up on, not even grew up, but started to get into Facebook and that's like, so not a thing that these kids do. Yeah. Um, it's, so, I don't even touch it for ours. Like no. I, I barely put, unless it's like method stuff. I never. Yeah. Really yeah. Stuff on so, there. so I think it's, you know, something like quick videos, like quick snapshots of things. Um, it's, it's helpful. You know, I do, we we're on huddle. So that's another way to kind of allow the the girls to have like their highlights and stuff and the big thing now is like letting them take over the account um so I know that that's an you know something they get excited about and probably to your point um would be something that like middle school kids might be interested in seeing um but I I mean there's always more that can be done um you know from my perspective and this is another area of kind of trying to find the time. Right. Uh, it's a post, whole different but, element of your job. Like this yeah. is what people don't realize is like, this is why I started this podcast because I've had coaches on that. People are like, Oh, they have to do their own social media. Oh, they have to do oh, their yeah. own equipment ordering. Oh, they have to run their summer teams. Oh, they have to take care of like the youth program. Like there's a lot that you're doing year round, not just like your season, which is currently in place. So like when you oh, say yeah. this stuff, like it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And even like the huddle piece, like I've had kids come up to me and say like, oh, coach, like, does someone make like a highlight film for me? And I'm like, uh, no, but like, I mean, I can help you, but there's again, like there's only so much time that I have to kind of give to that. Um, but you know, there, there are things that I will say, like, it's nice having programs that you can download. I mean, again, we're, I'm paying for it out of pocket, which is what it is, but like, there's stuff that you can use as, you know, um, to kind of highlight, like make flyers or put things on your story about like your game week and what it looks like. Um, and I've seen other coaches do it too, where they, you know, highlight the upcoming games and a lot of coaches will tag one another. Um, but I think it's a nice way to, you know, for, yeah, to highlight what the kids are doing to, showcase the program um and i i'm not sure how much of an impact it's necessarily had because i haven't totally measured like analytics in that way but i mean i think our follower people certainly are involved in in at least for the girls on varsity like in even non-varsity they love like sharing things that i that i post but it is it is a it's another task added to the it list is. it's a lot like i do with. all our social media for this and it's like it's a lot like oh hold on honey i gotta post this but then that takes like 10 or 15 minutes between making sure it's set up right and the oh, links yeah. there and tagging people and then you know then have the post on your story after you put it like it's a lot so but you know on the same token like one thing that you said that blows my mind, and I say this anytime that someone talks about paying their own huddle thing, is I don't understand why the school just doesn't buy a universal huddle in which every sports. Oh, I don't pay just... for huddle. No, oh, okay. No, okay, I don't pay okay, for... no, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, I pay for a um, like an app to do special stuff to put on Instagram. Like, oh, not... okay, yeah, no, okay. no. Oh, God, no. That's... No, because I've heard that before. And then I'm always just like, well, if, if there's like eight teams that are getting huddled, why wouldn't the athletic department be like, all right, 
this is what it's going to cost. And I'm going to divide it evenly amongst. Cause like, I always felt like where I was now at the Catholic, the football program picked up the bill and then everybody else kind of mooched off of our huddle rights. And we're like, wait, why are we paying the astronomical yeah. amount of money? Like, why wouldn't he just divvy it up amongst all the programs? So then everybody could have it. Cause it'd be cheaper for everybody across yeah. the board. Um, so our boosters pay for it. So technically it is like, to your point, it's the program, but, right. but with that being said, anything like additional that like how to assist or you know things that you might want to use like that's additional price yeah exactly exactly but yes you're you're absolutely right I mean I the parents that are part of the boosters do a great job and I had a conversation with them at the beginning of the season and they said the same thing and they're reminded often when they bring this up though that Wilmington doesn't have athletic fees so that's yeah i mean and that's true i mean that's true and um but but here's here's my reverse argument to that it's like it's all a big circle because if you have if you want to keep kids in town and all this stuff being able like for our business for instance we have uh beyond like all stars and they send us their huddle clips and then we clean them up we post them on our story we tag them we put music to it the whole nine yards and then all of a sudden we have 40 new followers because that kid shared and another kid shared and we tagged another kid on the team who shared it and that's how kids like start sending us clips now we get so many that we can't post them all you know we try to do like four or five not to like crush our social media page that day but like if you do that, like in a town does invest in it, then on the flip side is like you, all your social media accounts now have access to be able to do this and throw it on Instagram stories and throw it on all the Facebook groups that are out there. So, you know, there are like, I argue it the other way. Like, yeah, and no, I, I, and, and your, your guy's new AD Dennis, I love him. I had him on here when he was the basketball coach. He's a great guy. And I know he's super invested in all that stuff. So, um, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I we love Dennis. I'm I, I mean, I'm just glad that we have it, to be honest, because yeah. I know there are some schools still out there that don't. Schools, it's crazy that we play that don't. Yeah, it's archaic. It's it's archaic nowadays in sports, period, no matter what sport it is. Uh, so, no, I think you do a great job with your social media. And it is a really important aspect of high school sports that is growing more than ever. I, I follow Max Preps on Instagram and that the stuff they pop up on there all the time is just great. You know, and it's mm-hmm. that quick hit in 10, 15 seconds, if that or someone caught on their phone on a sideline at a volleyball game, at a basketball game. And it, it to me, it's some of the cooler like content that's out there because you catch such like organic everything. Um, and you mentioned that you work with the youth programs a lot as well. And, you know, nowadays that stuff's starting to even get more on social media, but I want to ask you a couple more questions. And, and, you know, I love asking coaches variations of these questions. You know, you've been a head coach now for a little bit. My question to you is where do you feel like you've grown the most as a head coach? Like thinking back to your first year and thinking now, like I've had those moments of like, I can't believe I did that or didn't do that or what didn't even think about that. Where would you say your largest growth is as a head coach now, you know, than it was maybe, you know, day one? I, I would say that from the beginning, I was so focused on building like a winning team as opposed to understanding like the, the mechanics or the needs of the team, like based on either position wise or dynamics. Um, and I do think in a sport like volleyball, as I mentioned before, where it is so mental, um, 
I do think having like that athletic mindset um, is so important. And, and I've always said that I'd rather have a kid that's willing to work, you know, 20 times harder or put in extra hours than have a kid that has a few years experience under their belt, but isn't necessarily willing to like take kind of the feedback that you're giving them to making change. Um, So I, I think thinking less about winning and kind of having to think less about winning um, and more about like what's working and not working and how can we make this work? Um, So, right. It's so right. Because when you first become a head coach, right? Like all you're thinking about is just what's, what's on the court or what's on the field and winning and winning because winning cures all, but you realize, like, I know for me, like we weren't a great tackling team. And then you start asking yourself the question, but what are we doing better to get better at this? Right. So like, sometimes you're so focused and have tunnel vision on top of the other million things that are thrown on your lap about what's going on with kids and dealing with parent booster clubs. And, you know, there could be a schedule and change on top of COVID. Like, like, so there are other things that like, obviously you deal with as a coach, but yeah, I think any coach goes in being like, I want to win. And sometimes it's just, it's not, you know, and, and this will kind of lead into the last segue of talking to you, but what would be your advice to young coaches out there? Is it, is it something along those lines of what you just said that you learned about yourself or, or just anybody jumping into the coaching field, no matter what sport it is, like, what would be your biggest advice to them in their development as becoming a coach? So I think because coaching has changed so much, even, you know, since I've been out of high school, um, in the way that, you know, athletes have an enormous amount of pressure that I think comes from being a student athlete, but regardless, having kind of reflecting back on when I started and thinking about that winning mentality, but also thinking about, you know, giving students that are, are student athletes an idea of what this game is about um, at a younger age, I mean, focusing on that and focusing on the fact that it's more than just a game. Um, one of my biggest goals when I first started coaching was kind of this collaborative environment of like, you know, having them trust one another and being like bonding on and off the court. And I still think that's super important, but I, I think that I've had to take a step back and realize that, you know, especially what I've learned from coaching in Wilmington is almost every kid on my team on varsity works on top of um, playing a sport. So, you know, their, their downtime isn't necessarily spent the same way that someone else's time is spent. So in kind of being friends off the court, doesn't need to be a priority. Um, So I think for a coach starting out, it's, it's important to think about the fundamentals and, you know, what, goals you want to set with the team. Um, it was something this year that I did for the first time coaching high school where I said, you know, let's think of three goals that we want to focus on this year. And one I think was maybe to like take a team, you know, to sweep them in three. Um, we have yet to meet that goal, but I still, there's time. Um, and I I think, you know, the first one is like listening to one another on the court. That's a huge piece of the game. 
Um, and the second one was trusting one another. So I do think that the trust and the collaboration piece from when I started coaching is still there. It's just kind of a different, it's looked at in a different way. And that's what I mean by, you know, the game has changed or excuse me, coaching has changed so much from when I started and from when, you know, we were in high school that I think a new coach understanding that no matter where you're coaching, winning might not be in the cards right off the bat. Um, And you can't always change players. Yeah. Yeah. But it's tough, you know, and I think that when you're trying to build something, it's hard not to like have winning as like your 1A, your 1B or your 1C because who says they want to sign up for a job and lose a lot of games and right out the gate, you know, and especially nowadays with, you know, sometimes you have a lot of critics out there and, um, and, and unfortunately, like as great as technology is, technology has also changed a lot about the way you coach and what expectations are and being able to give kids instant access or instant film or like, and that stuff's a process in itself too. So as great as technology is like things like huddle or, you know, I remember when I first had a coach and you had to meet a coach halfway to exchange film on a CD. That was it. Like now it's just uploading and sharing. It takes seconds. So as great as it is, it's also changed the requirements of coaching as far as having to be more tech savvy. And, you know, I know just a social media thing, some guests I have on here they're phenomenal with their social media and some guests that i have on here they're like yeah i, I try my best and that's it you know but that's yeah, starting to become yeah. more of a prerequisite of getting into coaching i know when i interviewed coaches the first thing i asked them how they were with technology and yeah. five years ago i probably would have never asked that question if i was a head coach you know so um it definitely has changed things and you know i totally agree with you i think great advice and you know you've been great today i think talking about building your program what's been the most impressive thing for me is how much you've grown a program. It's, it takes a lot to grow a program, especially where, you know, they might, a program or, or a sport that gets played at such a young level that, you know, if you don't have kids playing at that young level, you have, like you said, many of those kids walking in with the volleyball for the first time in their hands, not knowing much about it. Um, and that can put you at a disadvantage. So to hear how much you've grown the program, especially going through a COVID year after the first year and all that fun stuff, um, <laughs> You've, you have what seems a lot of girls that are bought in your sophomore class is large. I mean, those kids in the A and B team are going to be competing against each other in those off seasons, playing for those club teams. And you might see those numbers now from 15 grow to 21, 22. And that's because there's some kids who now see what the challenge is in front of them. And if nothing else, it's building you great depth um, yeah. for, for your squad. So it's a good problem um, to have. I think you're in a great position and just stay on those, stay on those girls, like make them compete, make them the best of the program. These two girls you have now, they should be the poster childs. Like, you know what I mean? Like they play at the youth level here. They are playing through the program. They're playing yeah. at that next level. Like that is, that is what you can become here. So I think you, you've done the, you've done all the right things here. And I think what comes next is the W's, you know? So <laughs> Uh, keep plugging, keep doing what you're doing. And like I said, great to have you on as a guest today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anthony. I appreciate the positive feedback and and keeping us um, cheering for us on the sidelines. And um, yeah, I look forward to hopefully reporting more wins. Even this week, we have a, we have four matches this week. So hopefully there's, we pull out at least one. 
Well, you send us something and we'll post it on our Instagram for sure. And like even plays off your huddle account. We have plenty of kids who now like, I mean, the new like iPhones, you can screen record the huddle video and record it on your own phone and send it. So we have kids that do that to us all the time. So if there's some cool clips you have, send our way. If a girl drills the ball through the ground or off someone's head or whatever, right? Send it to us. Um, you know, we'd love to be able to show your program off and all the great things that you have going on. Awesome. Thank you. We will yeah. do that. Yeah. All right. So from Beyond Podcast, I'm your host, Anthony Petralis, Lauren Donahue, Wilmington uh, Volleyball. Till next time.